Mark Ziegler of the uh, San Diego Tribune joins us here. Mark, thanks for your time, my man. Oh, my pleasure. Hey, let's start here. When you look at this uh, San Diego State team, when you before the season started, did you see fourteen and zero leading up to the Spectrum matchup on January fourth? You know, it was funny. <clears throat> About a, maybe after Thanksgiving, I did. Uh, once they got to that Las Vegas tournament, they beat Creighton in Utah. Um, kind of looked ahead at the schedule and said they got one more tough game, and that was against Utah. But they had basically ten days to get ready for it. The only game ahead of it was an NAIA team, so. Uh, you, you, you know, I think they were pretty confident about that game, and and you start looking at the schedule, going, okay, now who's going to be able to beat them, and then you sort of arrive at this game. But before the season, I don't, uh, you know, I think if everybody was being honest, I don't think anybody would have. Not that this wasn't going to be a good team, but I mean, fourteen and zero, one or two, you know, remaining undefeated teams in the country, number one in the net metric, uh, number thirteen in the country in, in the AP poll. Uh, you know, I, I don't think people could have thought that. I mean, I think at this point they would have liked to be twelve and two, maybe, um, and and probably would have taken that. But but they got those extra two wins, and and now they're fourteen and zero. You know, scouting San Diego State, this is a team that's been known for really good defense historically, uh, a, a team that can attack the basket offensively. Uh, is that a fair assessment of how they're doing things so far this year in the run that they've had leading up to this game on Saturday? Well, that's kind of how they are right now. Um, but what's interesting before the season, when you start looking at the pieces they had, uh, and they had a lot of new pieces who hadn't been here and been through the defensive system, and usually their best defensive teams are guys who have been in the program for three or four years, and you know they really focus as a staff on, on defense, 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 and you know huge amounts of, of practice are spent on defense, much more than, than many normal teams, and that's sort of the legacy of Steve Fisher. So... Uh, but this team, you know, people look at it and say, wow, they got a lot of scores and a lot of offense, but man, are they going to be able to guard anybody? Uh, just because of the newness and also, you know, you have players coming from programs, a lot of transfers who, who maybe weren't considered great defensive players, but were better offensively. And the opposite's been true. I mean, they've been good when they needed to be offensively. And, you know, when the shot clock starts to break down and, 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 and particularly in conference when teams, you know, know your, your plays and your sets and, and now you're, you're at a high ball screen with 10 seconds on the shot clock, they've been much better in those situations than they have been. But overall, offensively, in the last few weeks, except for the Utah game, they've really struggled. So uh, defense has carried it. They're number 10 right now in the Ken Palm metric and defensive efficiency, and that's the highest they've been since 2015-16. And they're just shutting teams down. I mean, they're, they're all bought in. Uh, the coaches have done a great job in terms of preparation, and, and teams are really – I mean, I just looked this up today – Eight of the last nine teams that have played them have shot under 40%, which is just abysmal. And the one team that got over 40% was Iowa, who's 23rd in the country, and they're 40.4. So that tells you the type of defense they're playing right now. Offensively, the, uh, Malachi Flynn doing a pretty good job right now from beyond the arc. Seems like he's uh, um, he's really finding that stroke from beyond the arc. He's nearly 50% over the last couple of games. Yeah, you know, he's their best player overall, certainly the best offensive player. Um, he came from Washington State. He sat out last year, really improved his game, got great range on his shot. But, you know, it's funny, as good and as well as he's played this year, he's really only once or twice really played the way that I mean, he does a lot of days in practice and the way that his teammates kind of are hoping he'll play more often. And, they, you know, in the second half of the Iowa game, he had 25. And there's been other spurts where he's, you know, scored in bunches. But beyond that, he's been kind of steady and consistent and gets 15 a game. But, you know, the, the, the danger thing for him, and this is going to be one of the, the dangers for Utah State tomorrow night, they could play great. They could 
play great D. They could they could do everything right, and he could just get hot. And there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, he, he I mean, you know, Iowa again, one of the you know one top twenty five team in the country could not stop him. And the coach said afterwards, we just there's nothing we could do. I mean, he just was on fire, and it was inside outside, it was drives, it was fall away threes, it was everything. So. Um, that that's you know he's been a little bit streaky in that regard, and it'll be interesting to see how he plays tomorrow night in, in, in a game that really going to need him. I want to get your thoughts on this. I had an individual tell me this that the San Diego State team looks better without Jalen McDaniels because there's more balanced offense. Do you agree with that? You know, some people will say that. I mean, it's hard to say. This is a guy who just got called up to the NBA and you know from the G League and signed an NBA contract, and and, and it's hard to say. Well, you can't you know you take an NBA player off your team and you're and you're going to be better. Um, but this, this team, for, for whatever reason, whether it's him, I mean, there was a couple other seniors that were on the team uh, that played last year, and then they're gone too. But for what, I think the fair thing to say is they lost three senior, <clears throat> two senior starters and then Jalen, who left early. Um, and the guys they replaced them with, have just the whole team has been much more of a team, and they're much more bought in, and, and their sits are up, and, and, and they're playing better team defense, and, um, they don't get down when they when they get behind in a game. I mean, they, they you know they got behind by nine at at BYU, a really hard place to play, and they came back and won. They were down sixteen early against Iowa, came back and won by ten. Um, and so the, you know they were tied late in the in the Colorado State game on the road in a tough environment, weren't playing well. They won by twenty. So that that's the difference with this team. And whether that's because Jalen's there or he isn't there, I don't know. But uh, it certainly is. A, it appears to be a more cohesive unit. Uh, and particularly away from home, they, they, they really kind of bind and, uh, and, and get the job done. Uh, I, I had a conversation with a friend today, and they told me that how difficult it is for a road team, no matter how good you are, to come into the spectrum where it can be extremely loud, extremely chaotic, where you can barely hear your head ringing. Uh, you've, I think, yeah, you've been to the spectrum. Can you tell us, oh, many do you times. feel like it affects the road team or a good team like San Diego State to come into a full house like the Spectrum? I mean, I think it's one of the hardest places to play in the country, and I've known that for years. And there were, you know, when, when Utah State first got into the Mountain West, there were a couple lean years there, there, and, and the fans stopped coming. And there were a few times that San Diego State came and won, and it, it still was hard, but it wasn't what I knew it would be. And then a few years ago, I, I saw the real Spectrum. I think it was a couple times maybe the students weren't there. Now we've seen the real specter in the last few years. Um, certainly last year and a few years before that, it was crazy. Um, and yeah, it is very hard. And you know, the the loud part, I think players get used to that. But where it gets really hard is for coaches. You know, they can't call out plays. And so in the first half, the defense is in front of them, but the offense is at the other end. So the offense sometimes struggles because they're too far away and they can't hear what the coaches want. And in the second half, it's the opposite. It's, the offense is right in front of the benches, but the defense is at the other end. And so, uh, you know, that's where it, it affects them a lot. And I think the altitude's also, for a C-level team, uh, you know, it, it used to be that, that a lot of San Diego State players would just kind of pretend that altitude doesn't exist. But this team's kind of embraced it just because, yeah, it's harder. No doubt about it. You know, Matt Mitchell said, yeah, you never really get used to it. You're short of breath. It becomes a mental thing, but it's there, and it's, it's there in uh, Utah State. So I think when you take sort of the combination of really good team, Really, really loud, uh, vocal environment and altitude. It's all three of those things together. Again, we're talking to Mark Ziegler. He's with the San Diego Union Tribune looking ahead to Utah State, San Diego State Saturday night. It's a later game. And 
this uh, obviously so far to this state, nobody has been able to fully solve the San Diego State uh, problem. And uh, there's some teams that you mentioned it came close at certain times in games, but uh, it seems like in some some other Mountain West games, teams that have kind of come a little bit closer, San Jose notably came really close. What was it in that game that San Jose State was doing that had that game going down to the wire? Well, I, you know, San Diego State had historically had a problem playing at noon or early afternoon games, and that was a noon game. And, I mean, I think, you know, they were coming off some really big wins, um, and they just, they were flat. And, it's, and San Jose State, um, you know, they played really hard, and then they got going. A couple shooters got hot, and that's kind of the old adage, you know, and San Jose State struggled sometimes against lesser teams, played down their, the, the level of their opponent a little bit. And, but, but the big thing is they give them confidence. And, you know, a player makes a tough shot, because the defense is so good, and that gets them going. So sometimes you can be your own worst, worst enemy when you're so good defensively. Teams are just taking circus shots. But when the circus shots go in, you get even more confidence than if it was a wide-open shot. And so uh, every now and then you'll see that, and you'll see a team get hot, and that's what happened to them, and, and they were lucky to pull that out. Uh, but, you know, we've seen that in college basketball. There's already been four games this year, I think, where 25-point or greater dogs have won. And I think they were all on the road. And, and you know, San Jose State would have been a fifth. So it's not like it's a complete aberration. It's just, you know, the way college basketball is. You saw what happened in Utah State. I mean, they really, on paper, had no business that game even being close at UNLV. And they ended up getting blown out. It just happens sometimes. And so I think San Jose State's susceptible to it. They've just been lucky they've been able to pull them out. Then I guess my follow-up is just what, what's the perception there in San Diego about the Mountain West this year? San Diego State, obviously, at the top, Utah State was doing well until just the other day. They slipped up. New Mexico's had some issues with players getting suspended. Uh, But beyond those three teams... San Jose State, by the way. Yeah, not a whole lot of strength. But what's the perception in in San Diego about the rest of the league right now? Well, I mean, I think people in San Diego expect to win the league every year. I mean, it's kind of the big brother thing. It's the big city, and, you know, schools had a lot of success recently. And so whether they're picked first, second, or fourth, they always just assume they're going to win it. Um, but there is a huge amount of respect for Utah State because of what happened last year uh, and the fact that everybody came back. Um, and, you know, you know, Nevada was a little bit more of a one-hit wonder or, or two-hit wonder with those two teams, and they all graduated and they're gone. And, and so... Uh, but I think, you know, it, it's kind of this love-hate relationship. I'm not even sure it's love with the Mountain West. I, I think San Diego <laughs> State fans feel, in football as well, they're above it. And all you hear from fans is, we got to get out of this conference, to which I say, where are you going to go? There's nowhere to go. And, you know, and basketball was a little bit more palatable when, uh, when you had BYU and Utah in the conference and, you know, and, and UNLV was playing well. And uh, New Mexico is, was, you know, top of this game. And you have five really good programs. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of fallen, fallen off. And so now, you know, when they look at it and see it's a one-bid league, if they just think it's a bad conference again. And so, it's a, like, again, you know, they just uh, – fans expect that San Diego State to be in a bigger conference, but I just – I don't know where they're going to end up and where they're going to go unless, you know, a power conference comes crawling and, and, and offers them a spot. I just don't see that happening right now. I got to ask you. You talk about the Midwest Conference. San Jose State has came along very nicely. They, I mean, they took you guys to a buzzer. They they took Utah State to the final minute. They went over and romped uh, New Mexico pretty easily. 
can you just talk about San Jose State and how far they've came along? Yeah, you know, they have a new coach uh, as a couple years ago, and one of their problems is they, they were in sort of this three, three or four-year cycle of coaches, and they just kept hiring new coaches. Dave Wojcik, who was the previous coach before uh, Gene uh, Priolo, um, really had them going and probably had a team put together that would have been a top-five team in the Mountain West, if not higher. And he had some issues and got run off in the summer. And then all of a sudden, you've got to hire a coach in August or July, and that's just a recipe for disaster. Kids transfer out, and they've had that issue for two or three years now. And finally, he's kind of got this, you know, Gene's got his guys there. I don't think they're that talented, certainly not as talented as they were under, under Dave Wojcik, but they are playing hard. And they also have the advantage that Utah State and San Diego State don't. Is Utah State and San Diego State is going to get everybody's best shot every night. Utah State because of where they were picked and how unanimously they were picked, and San Diego State because of their history and now because of their record and ranking. And they're just going to get everyone's best shot. San Jose State's going to get everybody's worst shot. And it's a big, big difference, and you see it in this league a lot. So I think you know teams, they'll sneak up on a lot of teams. Now that they beat New Mexico, they'll, they'll catch you know the attention of, of coaching staffs and players a little bit more, and maybe it won't happen as much. It'll be interesting to see. But I think there's a little bit of that at, at, at work right now, too. Mark, let me ask you from your conversations with the, the the coaching staff there or the players as you followed them, what do what are they saying about Utah State in, in the matchups that could be really critical and interesting uh, to pay attention to on Saturday? Well, I think you know a lot of it for, from their perspective depends on whether Kata plays, and you know that's sort of been an ongoing thing that people in San Diego have been watching. You know, people in San Diego really don't follow the Mountain West that closely. Just be, again, for the reasons I stated, I think they think they're above it. But the one thing they have watched is whether Kate is playing, when he's playing, when he's not playing, because they knew this game was coming. And I don't think they got any answers of whether he's going to play tomorrow night or not. But I think if he does or if he doesn't, makes a big difference in the game. I mean, if he does play, how does he play? And if he plays as well as he can, now it happens if San Diego State doesn't have Nathan Mensa and it doesn't look like they will. So, you know, now it, now it, how does that impact the game? I think... Um, the other thing that, that Brian Dutcher talked about, and I've just finished writing the story about, is you know he watched the UNLV game, and in a way, while yeah, it gave San Diego State a one-game cushion uh, in the conference standings, it was probably the worst thing that could happen because he said, look, I know what's, what kind of team we're going to get on Saturday night. They're going to be angry. It was already going to be tough. Now they're going to be angry and tough. And, um, and you know, he said, I, I, you know, just by the, the comments that, that Craig Smith had about being served a slice of humble pie. He goes, you know, when you say that about your team, if I say that about my team, I know what kind of team I'm going to get the next time out. They're coming out with, with smoke coming out of their nostrils. And, and so I think that that's their biggest concern is the energy and the energy in the building, the energy on the team, uh, and, and, and whether they can, you know, uh, uh, counteract that. But from a tactical standpoint, I think it's going to be one on the, on the glass. If, if Utah State rebounds like it did against UNLV, which was uh, shocking to me how poorly they did, um, then San Jose State might have a chance. If they rebound like they normally do, and Nathan Mensa and uh, Aguico Rope don't play uh, for San Diego State, which is what it looks like neither of them will, um, then then it's going to be really hard for San Diego State. And, and it'll take like a Malachi Flynn or a Jordan Shack or Matt Mitchell having you know an unbelievable hot night to sort of bail them out. Uh, Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Tribune joins us here on the Full Court Press. Uh, Mark, it kind of runs me into my next question for you. Give me three keys that the Aztecs need to do to get out of the spectrum with a win. 
Well, again, first rebound we just talked about, um, and and that's both offensive defensive glass. Uh, second is they got to shoot the ball better than they have in the last three or four games. They they've been awful, and you know one of the big stories in San Diego, and I, I and and I, I wonder if it will become one. It probably should become one in uh, in Logan as well, and a couple other schools is that you know the, the shot tracker um, system requires you to have a chip implanted, a tracking chip uh, inside of the basketball, and so you each school chooses has its own basketball sponsor usually it's a apparel sponsor so nike for both utah state and san Diego state so nike was asked could you put some of these chips inside balls they put it in a newer model of ball than last year and the newer model the players for the most part hate it's got narrow grooves uh shallower grooves it's got a different texture to it i felt it i'm a basketball player myself i know a good basketball from bad one i didn't like it either uh, it's much slippier and, and san Diego state has really struggled in the games they've used it to shoot. I mean, it's from three points, like 25% versus 37%. It's really uh, shocking. And, and I ran the numbers of Utah State. They're actually shooting worse with this ball at home than they are with new, unfamiliar balls and unfamiliar rims on the road from three point. So, uh, you know, that could be a factor as well. I, you know, they're supposed to use this ball. Uh, you know, I, I'm waiting for a team just to say, we're not using it. Good luck, find us, you know. But it'll be, it'll be fascinating to me. So I think that's another key to the game. If they do play with this new weird ball, uh, who shoots it the best? Because it, it, neither team has shot it well. Um, and then the final thing, you know, I think for San Diego State is just to sort of control the crowd and the runs and not take too many 8-0, 10-0 runs uh, and let the crowd get into it. If they can keep the crowd out of, out of it, which they did at BYU for the most part, except for one stretch, uh, they did a really good job of managing that. Um, and that's sort of the key to winning on the road in a hostile environment. I know you'll have some kind of say in this, if I'm not mistaken, but who would your Mountain West Conference Player of the Year vote go to as of right now? I know it's early. <clears throat> right now, I mean, I, I give it to Malachi Flynn. Uh, but part of that is knowing how good he can be. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and like I said, he, he's playing really well. He's probably playing well enough to be the Mountain West Player of the Year right now. Uh, but uh, if he plays anything close to what I think he can, and remember, he, he had to sit out last year, and so he, he went 19 months without playing in a basketball game. And, and you look around the, the country and the sit-out transfers, a lot of them struggle the first half of the season and kind of start getting their groove in conference or even the second round of conference. They see teams a second time, uh, and they really get going. And so I think he's just going to get better, so he'd be my guy right now. Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Tribune. Hey, Mark, great stuff. Thank you as always. Let's do it again soon, shall yeah, we? Yeah, thanks for your time. That was great All stuff. Right. Yeah, anytime.